What's up, everybody? It's Eddie Sanchez of The Bad Promoter coming at you on a Monday morning. Yesterday was the Super Bowl, and we got to see Tom Brady win his seventh Super Bowl ring. Honestly, man, like, how could anyone have anything negative to say about that guy? Absolutely insane. But, of course, this is for boxing and MMA, so before we get into that, let's talk about the drink of the day. For me, I'm having a gin with some grapefruit juice. Just, uh, you know, nice and simple. Get me going on a Monday morning. Um, nothing too crazy, my favorite liquor. But anyway, we had uh, a couple nice fights over the weekend. We had uh, Frankie, Edgar, Frankie Edgar versus uh, Corey Sandhagen. And that fight was over pretty quickly, man. Like, So I hope you didn't miss it. Um, Corey hit him with a flying knee and down Frankie went. Uh, it was kind of sad to see just given that he is uh, a popular fighter. Um, he's been around for a while, an OG in the sport. So, uh, I mean, he'll probably try and stick around for a couple more fights, but, I mean, that was his last true uh, chance at going for another belt. He was fighting uh, a top contender in, in the weight class, and, yeah, that down he went. Uh, sucks to see, man. That's just the way the sport goes, though. When uh, you get a certain age or you've been around for a certain amount of time, uh, eventually you're going to fight someone. Well, if, you, if you're fighting to truly contend and truly compete, you're going to eventually meet someone uh, that's just a little too much for you at that given point of your career, and that's what we saw over the weekend. And uh, that theme was pretty uh, common the entire night because we saw Alistair Overeem versus Alex Volkov in the main event. I was going for Overeem just because I like him. He's been around for a long time. I wanted to see him fight uh, for the heavyweight title. He probably he would have had to win this fight and then probably win one more to get that shot, but... Of course, as we saw, he got knocked out in the second round. He just, man, he, he looked he looked toast. He was uh, fatigued pretty early on in the fight, and uh, Volkov's shots were just way too strong. You could see that Overeem was respecting his power um, greatly. Every time he wanted to come in and grapple, come in and try to have a takedown, he wasn't able to uh, fully go for it. Uh, he once because once he was half committing uh, he was being hit with like a left straight and that it just he wasn't able to go from there so we saw him go down in the second round uh, that was a nice win for Volkov because uh, he needed that he really did um, not that uh, he's like an old guy or anything but just given what we we saw out of him previously like it, we, we for sure needed that from him because, uh, I mean, if you remember, he lost to Curtis Blades. And um, although that fight was uh, kind of, quote-unquote, boring, um, you just saw Blades was able to keep him on the ground and put work on him, and it, he just wasn't able to do anything for uh, the majority of that fight. He kept, uh, he was taken out of his game plan, and, and we just didn't see him um, lay anything on successful that night, so... To see him come out here and kind of evade that um, when you can clearly tell that that was Overeem's game plan, that was nice to see. It was a good fight. Um, let's see. Uh, this coming weekend, we have uh, Patrick Teixeira versus Brian Castano for uh, the WBO 154-pound title. And uh, if you remember Jamel Charlo, the 154-pound brother out of the Charlo twins, he holds the other three belts, so hopefully we'll see the winner of this fight um, 
fight for the Undisputed against Charlo later in the year, hopefully uh, sooner rather than later. I'm, re- I'm truly hoping it happens in uh, later spring, but we'll see, just given the way that uh, promoting for fights and um, scheduling happens. like We'll see when that actually takes place. In terms of this fight, I've heard a lot of talk that Brian Castano is actually the favorite for this fight, even though he's coming in as the challenger. Um, a lot of people like his resume, and they think that Patrick Teixeira is extremely limited and kind of a paper champion, just champion off opportunity, not necessarily off uh, anything he truly earned. And I'm, I'm hoping that's true because Castano, he's a PPC fighter, so that'll make uh, scheduling a potential unification with Jamel Charlo that much easier. Because I want to see Jamel Charlo... Uh, eventually win all of the belts in that weight class just so he can move on and go to the middleweight division. I feel like he's done enough at 154, maybe get in one other fight against another top contender like, say, an Arislandi Lara or a Jarrett Hurd because that fight never happened um, when Hurd was champion and Charlo was champion. So, I mean, I'm hoping that two fights max left at 154 just... One against those two contenders and one against uh, the winner of Teixeira Castano for Undisputed. That's what I'm hoping for. There isn't really too much more to say for that. Um, This weekend we're also having uh, the Joe Smith Jr. fight. I talked about that pretty extensively last time. I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, Bob Arum's super pumped up, of course, just because it's being promoted on uh, ESPN. It's being broadcast there. So it'll be... It'll be a nice fight, man. I'm excited. Like, He's a pretty exciting dude, and you, you just can't really complain. Of course, we also have uh, the next pay-per-view event for the UFC coming up. We have Usman versus Burns. Um, again, talked about that pretty, uh, pretty extensively last time, but I'm hoping Burns comes out uh, as the victor. Usman's a tough man, though, so we'll see. We'll, we'll truly see. Like, he... He knows how to uh, control fights. He knows how to do the little things that uh, people might necessarily not want to deal with, like foot stomps and, um, I don't know, just grappling on the outside. Like it'll, it'll be interesting to see Burns' game plan. I know for sure he'll want to take it to the floor, but, of course, Usman's a great wrestler as well. So it'll, it'll be cool to see uh, which of these two teammates uh, comes out on top. Now, another news for boxing, we have Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez. Their fight was originally scheduled for the weekend of Cinco de Mayo. Of course, anyone who knows boxing knows that that's, that's Canelo's weekend. So once his fight got confirmed with Billy Joe Saunders, it took only a few days, but Bob Arum, you know, he did the right thing, and he announced that that fight is now going to be targeted for May 22nd. That'll be nice. Uh... It would have been a shame to have two fights of that caliber on the same night where people would have to choose which one to tune into. You know, you don't want to you don't want to cut the fans out like that, man. Like these guys like they stick with the sport, they stick with your with your fighters. You shouldn't put them in positions where they have to choose between an undisputed 140-pound champion and the top guy in the sport. Like, you don't want to you don't want to put fans in that situation, man. So I'm glad they did the right thing, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that fight. There's Honestly, there's a lot of fights in between that I'm interested in, but you know that was, the, that was the topic of discussion, just 
given that the, the news pretty much came out. Now, it's not 100% confirmed that that fight will take place on that date. But the way the talks have been going, like, I feel pretty confident. And both these guys fight under top rank, so I'm not too, I'm not too concerned with any hiccups going along the way. Um, of course, like, assuming no injury. But we'll see, man. We'll see. Like, uh, it's going to be a tough fight. It's going to be a tough fight. Uh, I'm hoping Josh Taylor comes out on top, and then we get to see from there what his plans are because I know uh, he's pretty much got two options stick around for one more fight against Teofimo Lopez or who I assume would move up after one maybe two more fights at 135 or move up to 147 and take on uh, Terrence Crawford either way both of those options are nice um, no one can possibly complain I'm personally hoping it's the Teofimo Lopez route because you can always move up and wait after and um it's a lot harder on your body to move up in weight and then cut down back in weight and then move up again. So just for the health of the fighter and uh, given where people are in their careers and given how Terrence Crawford is kind of in a limbo in terms of self-promotion and in terms of his relationship with Top Rank and Bob Aaron, it, that's just, I think, the path of least resistance and I think that would be the, the best option for everyone involved. Now in terms of Terrence Crawford's immediate future. The latest talk I've heard is that Virgil Ortiz Jr., the young welterweight, might be an option. I highly doubt that, just given the fact that that would take uh, negotiating with Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy. That would um, have a nice conversation involved between ESPN and DeSone. Because for sure... Well, I don't want to say for sure because I know Bob Arum in the past has complained about Terrence Crawford, said that he's lost him a lot of money. So, I mean, given that rhetoric, you might be able to say that Terrence Crawford could be quote-unquote purchased to have one fight on zone against Virgil Ortiz Jr. But when push comes to shove and like those uh, outward conversations become a conversation inside a conference room, inside a negotiation. I personally can't see that happening. I can't see ESPN being okay with letting one of their most accomplished fighters fight on another network, even if he is losing them however much money. Um, just given the fact that he's, at worst, the top three pound-for-pound fighter in the world, and uh, they know they're close. They know they're close with staging the fight that everyone wants to see. Um, of course, like I think that will eventually happen uh, away from ESPN and away from top rank, but they're still going to probably hold out hope until the end, until they get that final decision that this is something they can book and this is something that could at least be a co-promotional event. Now, another news, I know that Deontay Wilder, there's been a lot of talk about him more so outside of the ring and from the training perspective. There's a lot of people um, trying to see who, like, basically who's going to come back and fight because I don't think Tyson Fury is an option at all. I haven't heard any updates on uh, the mediation process or from the courts, but I just can't see that being forced um, out there. That curveball would honestly devastate so many boxing fans. But to keep the topic more and uh, more with Deontay Wilder, honestly, man, it's just really sad to see. Um, you hate to see a guy that was supremely confident basically uh, 
do a complete 180 on his personality, complete 180 on uh, how he maneuvers within the sport, how he maneuvers outside of the ring. Uh, he was a big talker, um, and he backed it up. You know, he had a great punch, and he knocked out pretty much every fighter he's ever faced, except for Fury and Bermain Stavern. But now that he's tasted that first loss and tasted it the way he did, being knocked down five times, and um, having his corner come in and uh, you know wave the white flag, you can t- you can definitely tell that that physical toll and that mental toll is you know holding him tightly, man. And it's sad to see. You hate to see someone deal with uh, the mental health issues. So I hope this is uh, just a little more on uh, yips and not necessarily uh, a long-term lasting effect. That's something that he'll have to deal with. Now, I know his former trainer, uh, Breland, he was saying that Deontay Wilder is not focused anymore, he's not training anymore, that he should pretty much retire. And, uh, of course, Wilder took that to offense, as anyone would, um, given that that's your former trainer, former friend, someone who, even if things ended a certain way, like that's supposed to be someone who has some boundaries that they're not going to cross and is going to at least have your back in that sense uh, to be, you know, professional and just move forward from there. Maybe answer a few questions that people ask, but not necessarily do a personal attack on him, especially when you see the man is kind of down on his luck, you know. You don't want to hit some, hit a man while he's down, even uh, if professionally you were kind of forced to the side. Like, that's just not the right thing to do. So I know a lot in the community are not appreciative of that, but that's just the way it is right now, and uh, hopefully Wilder can use that as motivation to come back strong, man. There, there's some nice options out there. Uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. versus uh, Deontay Wilder would be a nice fight. Um, honestly, I think, uh, well, I mean, you can't be too certain just given the fact that we haven't seen Andy Ruiz Jr. fight at his new weight. Uh, of course, he's still a heavyweight, but having been training with Eddie Reynoso and uh, Canelo Alvarez and Ryan Garcia, um, just being part of that team, adopting a more professional lifestyle, adopting a better diet, uh, better training methods. It'll be interesting to see how he looks in the ring. Of course, one would assume that he would look amazing just given the fact that he's rededicated. But when when you've been that big for so long and you lose that weight as fast as he did, like you don't know if his power is still going to be there. I assume his stamina would be improved just naturally uh, given the fact that He's been working really hard, but, I mean, you never know. Like, when you cut weight like that, um, it, it just does a toll on your body sometimes. So I, I hope we don't see a situation where he lo- everyone's excited to see what, what we have with him and he comes out there and just looks like a shell of himself just from, like, that weight loss. But, we'll, I mean, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm hoping that we get something confirmed sooner rather than later. I... I mean, unless Wilder is looking for a basically a get-rich-quick scheme in terms of uh, needing one big fight to kind of get him back on that level and get another title shot, then Andy Ruiz is that guy. He's the guy who, who beat Anthony Joshua and then lost to him in the rematch. Um, and then you have Wilder who drew with uh, Tyson Fury and then lost to Tyson Fury. So naturally, like if you put those two together in the ring, like that's a nice fight. It's a perfect fight, and uh, 
anyone in their right mind would say that the winner of that fight would be the number one contender. Now, of course, we also have uh, Dylan White and uh, Povetkin coming up for their rematch. So if Povetkin wins that fight, then it'd be really hard to say that he doesn't deserve a title shot as well because uh, the way he knocked out Dylan White in the first fight, if he comes out there and proves that that was, that was no fluke, that even at his advanced age, that he still has enough in the tank to get the job done a second time, then you can't really say anything negative against him, and he's earned his shot. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Now, just given the fact that I'm assuming uh, we'll get the Tyson Fury Anthony Joshua fight confirmed pretty soon, and uh, the better assumption would be if that gets confirmed that it would for sure be at least a two fight deal, maybe a three fight deal. Um, so that would kind of take both those guys out of the mix. Well, what's the next best thing you can do? If you can have Wilder and um, Andy Ruiz face off and you already have Dylan White uh, taking on uh, Povetkin, let's have the winners of those two fights meet. And uh, let's make a little side tournament for the next the next contender. Now, I mean, those those guys and their management teams might, you know, scoff at that just given the fact that you're asking them to jump through so many hoops, but you know that's the nature of the business. When you have guys as popular um, as Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury, and the amount of talk that's out there where people like truly want to see that fight, that's that's the fight that everyone like really wants to see in the world, not just in America, not just in the UK. That like you can't really have anything to say about that other than okay, like let's do let's do our jobs and. Let's try to get to a point where we can, uh, we can meet. That'll be, it'll be nice to see, man. I hope. Uh, it's just uh, there's a lot of um, a lot of roads you have to cross, a lot of lines you have to sign just to get something done, and when you have an outline just the way it is in the heavyweight division, like let's just make it happen. Like it's, it's it shouldn't be as hard as uh, it looks. I mean. We already have the Povetkin and White fight scheduled. Deontay Wilder and Andy Ruiz Jr., they're both PBC fighters, so that should be easy. It's just in terms of convincing their personal teams, because of course whoever loses that fight probably won't get another title shot ever again, um, just given where they are in their careers and uh, just how many fights they would have lost at that level. or. And just how they would have looked recently. Boxing is a very recency biased sport. So no one wants to have that look, unfortunately. Just given the way fans maneuver um, in terms of uh, viewership. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Now, over the weekend we also had some uh, interesting sideshows. Barstool Sports had uh, a celebrity boxing match with... Uh, Jose Canseco, the former baseball player, most of you probably remember him as uh, the guy who testified under oath and kind of threw a bunch of MLB players under the bus for taking steroids. Uh, once he got caught, he kind of dragged a bunch of people with him, and uh, he fought a former um, Barstool Sports uh, intern who's now a mainstay in their um, banner. That that fight was, uh, I mean, if you want to call it that, um, it was interesting. It's just funny to see uh, the way boxing's maneuvering. Like, of course, that's not a professional bout, but they're making real money. So 
I mean, what more can you say? That's just the way it is. I think uh, just given the success we saw from uh, Jake Paul and Logan Paul, I think we're going to see more and more of those, man. Um, I mean, celebrity boxing matches have always been sort of a thing, but it's been extremely, it's been a niche of a niche sport. So given the fact that these guys that aren't professionals are making real money and they're getting a lot of viewership, people are talking about them on social media, we're going to keep seeing this until it doesn't work anymore. That's just the way it is. Um, Also over the weekend, we had Paige Van Zandt's uh, BKFC debut. And, man, I was so disappointed with that fight. I don't know what her mentality was entering the cage, but it was clear for the first four rounds that she just did not have a, a, a true game plan in terms of activity. Like, you didn't see her, like, force the force a jab, try to come forward. She, I feel like if I had to take a wild guess, I feel like she wanted to kind of get a sense of what the other opponent was going to do. Um, her opponent was 1-2 and two in the PKFC. Of course, this is Paige Van Zandt's debut there. I think her thoughts were, I'm going to see how this, I'm going to see how this woman comes forward and attacks me and then just maneuver off that. I'll counterpunch, I'll move around. But her strength, it wasn't, in, term, like in terms of punching, just wasn't at the level, at least for sure in the first four rounds, to get her opponent off her. And her activity was so, like, she, she just wasn't throwing any punches, man, like, it was very frustrating to see, especially when you got to the fifth round and she finally stepped on the gas. She was having some success, man, and it's just too little too late. Like, when you see... I just hate seeing that. Like, I've seen plenty of fights in the past in professional boxing um, as well, just where an opponent just waits too long to change their game plan. I don't know if it's that, if that's the corner, not telling them until it's too late. Um, not being honest with them for the majority of the fight and just telling them, oh, keep doing your job, keep doing your job. And then finally, when it's the last like round, their last ditch ever, it's like, okay, you need to step on the fucking gas. I don't know if that's the issue, man, but it was pretty disappointing. She's very popular, so I don't see this as being a long-term issue. You know, it's a, it's a new transition. Say what you want about the BKFC and moving from the UFC over there. A lot of people see that as a step down. But the truth is, uh, it's a different fighting style. It's a different technique. So just because uh, a lot of people look at it um, in a lesser light, just in terms of promotion, that doesn't take anything away from the true competition out there. And I think she learned that lesson, and sh- hopefully she comes back strong the next time. Like She seems pretty committed to uh, fulfilling her contract and making her money, and she wants to come out there and, and be a, a professional, you know? So hopefully we'll see some some good stuff out of her going forward. Um, I was pretty pumped up for the fight, so that was kind of a letdown just to see it end the way it did. But you know we'll we'll go from there. Uh, I'm still a fan, so I mean you're not gonna hear me complain outside of this podcast. You know, this is just the talk for for you all. So what we're trying to see. Um, but you know that's just the way it is. We'll we'll move on just like she'll move on, and I'm for sure gonna tune into the next fight. There's a lot to look forward to, man. Like I'm, I'm really happy with the way 2021 is going. It seems we're so, at least so far, knock on wood, that we're having a lot less bout cancellations, a lot less postponements, 
Uh, of course, we've had some here and there, uh, most notably with uh, Better Beave on the boxing side. But yeah, man, like the world is finding out its way to maneuver throughout COVID. So we're getting to a point where vaccines are rolling out, and I'm hoping by the end of the year we, we can have full capacity um, fights from here on out, man. That's just what I'm hoping for. And uh, the way things are maneuvering, the way things are, uh, the way uh, promotions are being careful um, with their work, like it looks like we're not too far off. So let's hope that that continues. All right, everybody. That was uh, the Bad Promoter Podcast. Appreciate y'all for listening, like always. Uh, as always, keep up with us on thebadpromoter.com and follow us on social, on Instagram and Twitter at The Bad Promoter. Let's have a great week. And uh, this next weekend, man, it's jam-packed. We have a lot of fights, so the next podcast will be full of good stuff to talk about. We'll have a lot of stuff to break down, and I'm looking forward to it, man. Now, let's just have a great week, and let's kill it.